Hey, this is Benny Fellhaber, and you are listening to Defenders of the Bank. Welcome to episode 107 of Defenders of the Bank. I am your host, the loud and proud, at times crude and rude, beast from the East, Christian Philly Philemon. And with me as always, the mouth of the South Bay, J.R. Liebert. The Scarf. What is good, everybody? We are super excited today. As you heard on episode 106, if you made it all the way to the end, and we hope you did because we know that you listen and we love you for doing it, we have a very, very special guest today, Philly it's not every day we get a former captain, an inaugural team member, an Olympian, a World Cup athlete, a man of many, many soccer stories on our podcast. This is going to be such an exciting episode. We have the great Benny Failhaber on the podcast, Philly. Yeah, absolutely. And you and I are obviously still riding high from LAFC advancing in the COVID Cup, so that's pretty cool. Monday, we're going to get our revenge against the Flounders, and we got Benny on the show. We have had some really cool opportunities and privileges on this pod. We've interviewed players, personnel, supporters, musicians, and we're continuing that trend. And as Scarf said, we got a special guest today. A player whose career has taken him from the mean streets of the Bundesliga to the rough and tough English Premier League and to one of Denmark's oldest clubs. A man who has held an MLS Cup in 2013 as a member of Sporting Kansas City. A man who has held the U.S. Open Cup twice in 2015 and 17. MLS All-Star in 2015, unbelievable season, 12 goals, 19 assists, finalist for the Landon Donovan MVP award that year. And who in the heck can forget his game-winning goal versus Mexico in 2007 at Soldier Field, arguably one of the most famous goals in U.S. men's national team history. 425 pro matches, 54 goals, 44 U.S. men's national caps, and two goals. And a player on our roster who's had the most appearances of any LAFC player in season one. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Benny Failhaber. Welcome to Defenders, Benny. Thank you so much. I don't. Do we have time for anything else after that introduction? I, I think we're done, right? That's it. <laughs> I lit. I uh, I actually listened to Beta when he came on the show, and I thought that was a hell of an introdu- introduction. But um, <laughs> man, Beta's small time now compared to what you guys just gave me. <laughs> <laughs> Benny, we are we are so happy to have been able to make this happen, man. You know, it's uh, we wanted to actually do this sooner, but Philly decided to blow out his appendix on us, which was kind of fun for all of us. So I know, man. How you doing? Doing better? I'm good. Now that I finally got rid of that schmuck appendix, we could get down to <laughs> podcasting. God, it was brutal. For such a useless organ, it definitely causes an unbelievable amount of pain. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, yeah, hopefully I don't have to. Hopefully I don't have to go through it. But uh, I, I'm glad you're back on the show. And now I see that you're uh, getting into another thing that's frustrating, and that's rooting for the Mets. So good luck to you there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we so, did win so- today. That's yeah, a good thing. One nothing win on opening day, which means we have not Benny yet mathematically been eliminated. So we're we're still in it so far. And, and Philly, or it, it's funny, you know, Philly and I met in Founders Club at LAFC. But one of the things that we quickly bonded over, unfortunately, Benny, is that we are both diehard Metropolitan fans. So really, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. So yeah, well, I, I have a few I have a few teams that are are. 
tough to root for, but it's it's in my heart, so I have to keep going with it. But um, so I'm right there with you guys in in some aspects. But it's LAFC. It's it's not as 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 tormenting to to <laughs> be able to root for them because they're one of the best teams in the league. So you guys got that for you. Absolutely. Fortunately, I all the bad root for all the bad New York teams. I'm from New York. I, for whatever reason, I picked all the bad ones to root for. But that means I'm loyal. So, ladies and gentlemen, find yourselves a Mets fan because you know what? That's undying loyalty because you got to be sick in the head to be a Mets fan. But <laughs> moving right along, Benny, we're going to start with a normal icebreaker during these. It has different meanings during these crazy pandemic days. How the heck are you? What have you been up to the past several months? And have you picked up any new skills or bad habits? Um, what have I done? Um, not much. I mean, I, I was looking for a job right out of uh, the gates. You know, I retired in, in March and I was I was looking for something to, to pursue, obviously, within soccer. And uh, COVID kind of clamped down on that. So that's kind of just waiting in the wings and we'll see what happens when when corona decides to you know be out of our lives at least at least more tamed but right now i'm just waiting uh, doing the podcast you know bsi the podcast which we started over a year ago now has become something that you know we didn't expect it grew a lot a lot of fans love it so we just kind of keep doing it uh we're making a little bit of money on the side but uh that's not that wasn't really the intention to, to begin with you know it was it was more to have fun and so that's that's been like my one constant, I guess, during, you know, the coronavirus is, is doing the podcast with Ike and Sal, getting good guests and, and kind of doing a little bit of what you guys are doing. So um, other than that, bad habits, man, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I've actually gotten some better habits because after retiring, I realized I can't eat my cookies that I always used to. And so <laughs> I've got on, on, I don't know if most people would call it a diet, but I've uh, limited how much uh I have in terms of my cookies and Kit Kats, um, but yeah, <laughs> bad habits. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I'm sure I have some though. <laughs> right. What has it been like over the course of this pandemic? I, I'm a teacher myself, so I know a lot of parents have had their whole worlds turned upside down yes. with both school online, but but also the ability to hang out and spend more time with your daughters has kind of had to have been a nice uh, silver lining to all of this. Yeah. So we have three now. So we have a oh boy too. Yes. Yeah, so Congratulations. Thank you. We have Sophia, Julie, and Luca, who's uh, a year and four months now, five right. months maybe. So yeah, we got our boy, which was good, but also, you know, during the <laughs> pandemic and uh, having three kids, it makes it that much tougher. But thankfully the girls, uh, Sophia is six, so she's going to go to first grade in yep. the fall. But because they're still at that age, they can still go to preschool, private preschool, which has stayed open here in Kansas City, thankfully. Um, we took them out for, how long was it? Maybe like close to two months month and a half maybe and then once things started to settle down a little bit we put them in and it's been you know it's been okay so they've been going to school but you know a lot of time with them the teaching aspect of it I can't I can't imagine how tough that is man especially for (laughs) for kids that age uh I I can kind of imagine high school like yeah there's some kids that are you know tough to deal with but at least they can listen and learn and Man, kids at this age, they don't want to sit still for a second. So we could have used you uh, in the house uh, <laughs> for the pandemic. But they've been good, and it's it's always fun to spend time, especially, you know, me being unemployed now and 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 retired, and so hanging out with the kids has been, uh, you know, a blessing and a curse at times, but mostly a blessing. And uh, it's it's been fun. We've I think we've done a good job. My wife's always good with like not scheduling things so much, but like creating new activities to do, and she's. Sure. She's good with that stuff. So we just we we go through it and, and we make the best of it. 
Scar, Benny might be onto something. Maybe we could start like a, like an Uber service for for home teaching and and dispatch <laughs> teachers all across the all of the nation for that. Maybe we're onto something. We got an idea. Yeah, I don't know. We got a lot of teachers that are gearing up to try and go back to online school in about a month or so. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how enticing of an opportunity this has been, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, always trying to think of new ways to make a buck or two. But uh, Benny, we obviously had you for a season. There's a lot of our listeners that are we're big fans of yours, obviously us included. But not everybody knows everything about you. You know, we're going to briefly touch into the uh, let's get into the this is your life section. Now, you did a fair amount of traveling as a kid, born in Brazil, moved to Scarsdale, that's scarf territory, then to California. What was the adjustment like for you having moved around to all these different cities and what kind of an impact did that have on you growing up? Yeah, well, so you missed a couple places that I lived in between. So I lived obviously born (laughs) in Rio, then lived in Scarsdale, then moved to Houston, then to Greenwich, Connecticut, then to Wilton, Connecticut, and then finally to Irvine, California. And then after professionally, I mean, I lived in Hamburg and Darby and in Aarhus, uh, Boston, Kansas City, L.A., Denver. Kansas City. So, um, (laughs) yeah, a lot of different places. And I think growing up, moving a lot of times definitely influenced what I became as a person. I think it gave me the confidence to, you know, take the leap and go play in Europe right off the bat um, when I was 20 years old. Uh, It's funny, um, maybe a week ago, uh, a buddy of mine sent me a video that I sent to him when I was home alone in Hamburg, like having nothing to do. And I sent him uh, this clip of a song and I'm like lip syncing it and like, you know, making fun <laughs> of it. It's, it was Palmdale's a dude that lives in Palmdale, California. And I'm just like, dude, this is, this is like, I look like a 13 year old kid and I'm living by myself <laughs> in Hamburg, you know, playing soccer professionally with grown men, um, that are trying to feed their children. And I'm like, what was I doing? You know? And so <laughs> it's, I think it, I think it definitely affected me in a, in a positive way to, to move around, um, make new friends, see, you know, different people, different personalities in different places. And I think that that allowed me to kind of have that courage, I guess, to, to take that leap to go play in Germany, a place that I didn't know the language. I didn't know the people. My family were halfway across the, the globe and uh, and I went for it. And so I think that's uh, that's helped me become the person that I am and in in, in definitely in a positive way. Yeah, sure. You know, my family from White Plains, so right up Post Road there from me there in Scarsdale. They got that international airport there now, so you can go back and do forth they? from everywhere. I didn't know yeah, that. yeah. There's this little tiny uh, airport there that they do a little international travel in. So I, I saw I mean, Scarsdale. Yeah, there you go. I saw I White. saw Scarsdale, and I was like, sweet, this is awesome, right up the road. So White Plains. That another like little funny story. I was I was back home, you know, for two and a half weeks at my parents' house. And my dad uh, had had just like turned in a bunch of home videos into like his computer. He put on a game, Scarsdale against White Plains. Oh, nice! There yeah, you go. I was, so I was I gonna was, ask, was that was that the rivalry back then? They were. That uh, was. I was. I must have been seven or eight years old. It was a very boring <laughs> game. I think it ended zero zero. But uh, who would have thought? You know. That was bad. That was bad coaching at that point for sure. <laughs> there you go. All right, Benny, you leave Scarsdale. You move to Irvine. You become a standout at Northwood High School. You end up going to UCLA, but you had to walk on the team. What led you to UCLA versus any other schools that might have been looking at you at that time? There were no other schools looking at me at the time. <laughs> there were very few. So obviously UCLA is a massive program in, in terms of soccer and a great school. In in that level of soccer at a, at a university, nobody was looking at me. So, I mean, I reached out to Cal Berkeley, Stanford, UCLA, um, trying to remember if I reached out to UCI 
Uh, I'm sure, I mean, I know I applied to UCI, but I can't remember if I actually reached out to them in a soccer sense. I'm sure I did. Um, and I mean, none of those teams were interested in me, you know? And, and so I, I still, uh, I actually went to, uh, I went to Cal Berkeley's like summer, uh, summer camp, like soccer camp where Kevin Grimes was there. And, you know, I'm sure, I think Kalen Carr was there at the time. I think he was maybe a year older than me. And, uh, and yeah, I went there. There was not many good players. I thought I was probably one of the better players there. Didn't didn't matter. They didn't want me. And uh, Princeton was a uh, school that really wanted me. Coach Barlow over there really wanted me. Of course, that's a more, much more difficult school to get into. And he told me, look, if you early apply, if you commit to the school, we'll get you in the school. You have the grades to get in. Uh, but we we need to, you know, your confirmation that you're coming. I'm like, nah, dude, I'm not early applying. I want to see what other schools I get into so I can make that decision. Um, as you can tell by the story, you could probably figure out that I was a pretty decent student in high school. I, I got yeah. good grades. Um, but to make it to Stanford or Princeton or Cal, it's, uh, it's, you got, if you're not going to get, you know, through help through the soccer program, you gotta have some really, really good grades. And, um, Princeton, I didn't make it in at the end after I, I didn't early apply. I made it into UCLA and I made it into, I think the only other school that I really made it into that was a good school and a good soccer program was university of Michigan at the time. Hmm. Um, and I talked to Tom Fitzgerald who was at UCLA and he said, look, I saw you in one of your high school games. I think you can make the team here. I don't have anything to offer you. I can't even offer you a guaranteed spot on the team, but if you make it to the school, which I had, then, um, uh, I, I'll give you a trial and I think you'll make the team. And so at the end of the day, I, I talked about it with my parents. And I said, look, at the time, like soccer was not the number one thing for me. It was school. You know, soccer was a, a way to get into school and maybe have fun during the time at school. But academics was number one. Um, and so I decided, let me go to UCLA. It's a good good school. It's close enough to home. It's not too close to home. It's got a good team. Hopefully I make the team. And if not, so be it. And so I went to UCLA. We I think there were three trialists um, during that summertime before, you know, season started. And, you know, out of the three, I was the only one that made the team. And so Um, yeah, I walked on, Tom gave me the chance and I, you know, not only made the team, but made a a little bit of an impact in my freshman year until I got mono. So, uh, yeah, the, the, the kissing, (laughs) that's what you get. So, um, in the dorms, must be in the dorms. Right. Uh, but yeah, so that's how my uh, freshman year ended at UCLA, but that's the story of how I went to UCLA. Hmm. That's awesome. Now, did you have former LAFC teammate Jordan Harvey there with you as well at UCLA? yeah, he was a year older than me, so he was there. Um, I I was a freshman, he was a sophomore, and when I was a sophomore, he was a junior, and then I obviously left um, for Hamburg after my sophomore year, but he was there, obviously, the two years that I was there. Did you guys become close? Uh, did Not you... really. Nah. <laughs> it was he all didn't haze you, did he? I was going to say, right? No, he didn't haze me, but Harvey will be the first one to tell you that he's a completely different person than he was in college. Uh, so he's like the nicest guy right now. And he was, eh, I'm not going to say anything worse than not a nice guy, but he, he, he's, he's a changed man. So, um, me me and him weren't, you know, close. I mean, obviously we're teammates, so, but we weren't like good friends or anything, but, uh, we never had any problems, but yeah, we were never close, close friends or anything. That's funny. I would have never thought that about Jordan knowing him now. Go go ask him. Have you guys interviewed him yet? Yeah, we, we have not had Jordan on yet. We are, we are. had Larry on. 
Yeah, we had we had Larry, so now he's got the podcast with Jordan. So no, we're we're definitely trying to get Jordan at some point this season. Uh, yeah. He, I think he wanted to wait till you know you and Beta got on to see how the uh, how the ice <laughs> was broken. So. <laughs> yeah, sure he did. So Benny, now that the uh, segment the this is your life part is over, let's get into your professional career. Now your talents took you to some pretty amazing places. Hamburg in the Bundesliga. You played at Derby County when they were in the Premier League, and you also ended up playing for one of Denmark's oldest clubs. Now, I lived in Germany for four years. I've been to Hamburg. First question I want to ask you is, and you can play the fifth if you want to, but how much fun was the Reaperbahn? Hamburg was a lot of fun my second year. So I was there for two years. My first year was one of the hardest years of my life because I was, like I said, 20 years old, away from my family, away from my friends, didn't speak the language. It was an, I didn't play much. I didn't play at all on the first team. I played only on the second team. So it was an absolute grind the first year, learning the language, making new friends, um, getting incorporate or feeling good about the culture, you know, immersing myself in the culture there in Germany. And so it was tough, man. It was a lot. It was, it was not fun. It was really tough. I remember the, one of the hardest days of my life was when I, so I signed in August. I played there until December. We had like a one week break for Christmas and New Year's. The day that I got back to Germany, like I think it was actually New Year's Eve because I remember the fireworks going and I'm there in my apartment all by myself, like fireworks going. I'm imagining like all my friends having fun and people in Germany having fun. And I'm just like, damn, this sucks. You know, it's (laughs) like this is just not fun right now. Like, what am I doing? And I knew what I was doing. I was there for soccer. But at that time, I was only playing on the second team. So it hadn't culminated yet into something that made sense. And so, uh, yeah, it was a tough, tough night. And that was like kind of, you know, a microcosm of that first year. The second year, I started playing on this on the first team. Um, I'd made really good friends, not only from the first team, but the second team. I knew German. So going out was definitely part of my life, you know, enjoying the soccer aspect and the nightlife, getting to know, you know, people outside of soccer, obviously girls at the time, too. They loved me being able to try and speak my broken German at the time. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, the, the Reaper bun was not as much my style. Um, but, uh, going out in the nightclubs with, you know, Paulo Guerrero, Vincent company, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Right. a really good friend of mine that obviously you guys won't know Sasan Gohari, which, uh, was, was, a a mainstay on the second team with me in the first year. Um, it was a lot of fun and, and, and I had a blast. Were you shocked when Hamburg got relegated to the second division, being the only German club that at that point never been relegated? Did that shock you when it happened? It didn't shock me because the first, the two years prior to them getting relegated, they finished in third bottom and they got to play the third place team from the second division and they eked out a spot back in the first division in in the first Bundesliga. So it was kind of brewing, you know, and so it wasn't surprising. What is surprising is that they haven't been able to come back up. Um, they've been yeah. close, but they haven't come up. And, uh, I mean, it, you would expect them to come right back up with how big a club that is. Sure. With the support they have, the fans they have, the stadium that they have. And like you said, they're a historic club in, in Bundesliga. The fun thing is, being in the second division, now they really get to go toe-to-toe with St. Pauli on a fairly frequent <laughs> basis. Yeah, when I was there, Hamburg was obviously in the first division. St. Pauli was in the third which was the, the the league that we played in as the, the second league. team, the Regional League, right? And so we played against St. Pauli, and we felt that I mean that was the fun, the most fun uh, game of the year, especially when we played at the Reeperbahn um, at St. Pauli Stadium because they were sold out. You know, everybody wanted to play sure. against 
uh, they wanted to go watch the, the the game against Hamburg. Whereas when we played, if we played in the stadium, there'd probably be more St. Pauli fans than Hamburg fans watching the second team. And so <laughs> playing at St. Pauli Stadium was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Talk about the, you know, the differences between the Bundesliga and the Premiership and what that was like being able to say that you've played in both those leagues. But obviously a lot of differences more so than maybe some similarities. I don't know. What are the differences between the Bundesliga and the Premiership? Well, the Prem is very fast-paced. They're and, and they almost look more fast-paced on TV because the fields are smaller. And and what happens is there's a lot of goals. I mean, there's a and, – and I don't know if – maybe the numbers have skewed a little bit because I think Bundesliga has changed a little bit as well since I was there. But there were always, like, not only a lot of goals but great goals in the Prem. You know, shots from far away. Um, there's a lot of transition moments, turnovers. Uh, so it's it's no wonder that – people think it's a it's a very exciting league to play to 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 watch and so sure. for me personally i didn't have a great time in in, in the prem we were uh, obviously a terrible team historically <laughs> right. bad right. Uh, i didn't play very much and and we lost a lot of games so it, it wasn't much it wasn't much fun i can tell you that uh but yeah it is there is a sense of pride to say that you know i, I got a chance to play in the prem which is one of the leagues that many people consider the best league in the world in germany it's a league that is is very tactical very technical it's a league that has definitely grown since i've been there in terms of quality i mean the 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 german national team has has had so many great players coming through bundesliga over the last you know 10 15 years and so yeah, i hear all about them from philly thank you yeah, <laughs> yeah. All well, yeah and so and you see so many americans wanting to play there as well yes. so yes. Um, I, I think it's a fantastic league it's one of my favorite leagues to watch still and and there's definitely a special you know part uh, or a special place in my heart for that league and hamburg itself just because of the fact that it gave me my first opportunity i think it's a league that fit me really well i almost wish that i had had an opportunity to go to have gone there later in my career once i was a little bit more of a established player and kind of you know, more of a veteran in terms of professional soccer player. Um, I went there so young that uh, I had to learn a lot there. And so I think it would have been a great league to kind of come in a little bit later. But um, it's a league that I, I really admire and, and watch a lot more so than the Prem, even though the Prem is definitely a more popular league for American fans. Sure. And we'll get into players you kind of played with and against a little bit later. But what about some of the places in either Bundesliga? You mentioned St. Pauli, obviously, was a big draw. But in the premiership in Bundesliga, was there ever a place? I, we were surprised when we talked about this with Beta. You know, he was like, "I don't really care who I played against. I didn't like anybody. I just wanted to go." <laughs> were, were there ever times where you kind of stopped and looked around and went, "This is where I'm playing today. This is where my career has brought me." Yeah, I think in in Germany it's Dortmund. You know, Dortmund's got the for me the coolest stadium uh, yeah. in Germany. Sure. Um, I never went to Allianz Arena. Uh, but I, I would I would imagine that it's in for me, it would still be, you know, Dortmund's stadium with with the wall and, and how you know vertical it is. It's just fantastic. You know, and I, I went there twice. I actually didn't play either game. I played I was with the national team when we lost four one to the national to the German national team. I was on the bench for that game and I went with Hamburg and I think we lost one zero. I can't remember. But I was on the bench and I didn't come in. But I mean, uh, even more reason to like take everything in because sure. I could actually, you know, see it and, and and witness it and not be, you know, so focused in on the game that I kind of forgot about that aspect of it. So, in in Bundesliga, the the Dortmund Stadium is fantastic. Um, in 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 the Prem, I really like going to Arsenal Stadium, um, and and not <laughs> so much, you know, Emirates is is massive, and and it's not so much, you know, the the team at the time they were they were very they had. You know, they had Sesk, they had Adebayor, they crushed us. They, I think they beat us 5-0 at 
at Emirates, oh. and it was a beating. But the best thing about Emirates Stadium, and I got to play there a couple times, I actually played there with Hamburg once in Champions League, is the field. The field is absolutely fantastic. Best field I've ever played on. It's like on a, it's, it's like on your, you're on a putting green. And so huh. <laughs> um, that's something that, you know, as a professional soccer player, you get a lot of, but not at that quality. Sure. So to see it at that quality, I, that's something that I, I always really love to to play on and to see. And so, uh, you know, Emirates Stadium was pretty special. All right. So let's transition to MLS then. You know, you go from playing in front of these cathedrals of soccer to moving to Major League Soccer. What about Major League Soccer drew you there? How did you uh, how did you get land in Major League Soccer? Um, well, I mean, obviously being an American, being from the U.S., I, I, I knew that most likely my career would eventually come back to, to MLS, to, to the U.S., and so after the 2010 World Cup, I was in Denmark. We got relegated, and I had I was hoping at the time that I would be able to get a move from my Danish team to another team, whether it be back in Germany um, or somewhere else potentially in Europe. Uh, nothing kind of panned out. It was kind of during, uh, still during the um, the financial you know problems that we had in 2008. So sure. the money that I was making in, in Denmark was oftentimes better than what I was being offered to go somewhere else. And so, you know, I kind of waited and, and, and saw what would happen. And I wanted to potentially, you know, continue my career in Europe. Uh, the possibility came to, to come back to the U.S. They wanted me back. Uh, I was on the national team at the time. It was before um, Bob got fired and, and Jurgen took over. So I was still, you know, an integral part of the national team. Unfortunately, you know, two months after I, or maybe what was it in August or something, but I signed with uh, major league soccer in April, I believe of 2011. Yeah. And in August, I believe Bob got fired. And so, or maybe even before, right after the gold cup. And so that was, I mean, I guess that's a different story, but obviously disappointing <laughs> for myself right, and, and right. obviously for Bob, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how it came about. They, they wanted me, they offered me a pretty good contract. I thought, okay, well my contract is running out in Denmark. Um, I'm probably not going to get the same contract that I'm getting here right now because of, you know, the, the financial stuff and MLS is offering me a pretty good contract. I think this is the time to make the move back to the U S and, and try and make a career over there. And so, you know, I took it, I didn't know where I was going to go. I thought it would probably be Chivas. Chivas USA was at the top of the list at the time. Um, and I, okay. yeah, and I'd heard them and I heard Houston Dynamo was a team that was interested. And so I thought, okay, well, I either go back home to a team that's, it was pretty terrible at the time, Chivas and or I go to Houston, which is a good team and I've lived there before in my life. So I could I can make that work, too. And so uh, obviously what happens, Chivas doesn't take me and uh, New England takes me in the I think they were the third in the third position. And so hmm. went to New England. And, and that's kind of how MLS happened for me. For the sake of time, we'll, we'll shoot past the New England time and get right to Sporting Kansas City since you did spend more time there. Now, SKC definitely holds a very special place in your heart. You won plenty of pieces of hardware while you were there. Open Cup, MLS Cup, just to name that. You had that unbelievable 2015 run where you were a finalist for the Landon Donovan MVP award. You know, you had 12 goals, 19 assists. What does Kansas City mean to you, both professionally and personally? It's my second home. Uh, in terms of soccer, it's probably my first home, you know, but California is where my, my parents live, my sister lives, all my best friends from high school and college, my wife's family's from there. So, you know, California is our home, but I mean, Kansas City is is right up there. And and I'm a, and I'm a huge California, Southern California lover. And so for me to, 
you know, love living out here in, in Kansas City as much as I do. It obviously means a lot to me, not only the time that I spent on the on the soccer field with with the team, but also my life off of it, off of it. My, my two daughters were born here. I, I married my wife just before I, I got traded from New England to Kansas City in, in the winter of 2012. And so, I mean, we've been this has been our home. For, for most of our lives together as a family. And so obviously it means a lot to me and uh, it always will. Sure. So we flash forward and 2018, January of 2018, we, the black and gold, have not yet played a game. We haven't even opened up our stadium. We don't even have anywhere near a complete roster at this point. No, and we don't. you <laughs> sign on with the black and gold January 3rd, I believe it was, or so, yeah. 2018. What was it about LAFC? I'm, I'm sure part of the answer is Bob Bradley, and, and I guess you'll touch on that in a second. But what was it like for you knowing that you are signing with a complete unknown, you know, a team that's never played, never practiced? Well, I got traded from Kansas City to LAFC. <laughs> but having said that, it was an extremely bittersweet moment for me when I found out. So the funny thing is Peter Vermees called me and said, hey, Benny, we, we just traded you. And by the way, during that offseason, off it was a bit of up and down because I thought I might get traded at the end of the year. Just you kind of get that sense sometimes sure. um, that maybe your time at that club is drawing to an end and, and whatnot. And there was the expansion draft. I didn't get traded in the expansion draft. And then I thought, you know, closer to New Year's. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going back to Kansas City in like two weeks. Preseason starts. Looks like I'm going to be part of the team again. And, you know, as soon as I think that Peter calls me a couple of days later and is like, hey, we just traded you. And as soon as he says that, you're thinking, oh, no, man, like this sucks. And, right. and, and now, like, where the hell am I going? And then he says he trades me to LAFC. And so it was like a really it was it was quick. So it wasn't like I could have had that many emotions. But as soon as I found out I was LAFC, it was like, man, I'm leaving Kansas City. I'm kind of like disappointed that they're trading me. But there could not have been a better place for them. to trade <laughs> right? I mean, right. it's where I'm from. It's a team that has an, a ridiculous backing, even though there was no team yet, right? There was We didn't know what it was going to look like. Right. A ridiculous backing in, in, in terms of ownership. It's Bob Bradley, who's a guy that I know is a great coach and, and, and has brought the best out of me uh, throughout my national team career. And so, I mean, I'm excited about that part. So it was really bittersweet. I remember, you know, my wife, it was the same with my wife because, like, like we said, it, it, it's our home, California, but Kansas City has become so, you know, integral in our hearts that uh, it was it was that same kind of feeling. And the funny thing is, is I was in California at the time when I found out huh. uh, I was, huh. it was during, you know, our, our off season where I a lot of time spend time in my parents house. And so we were there and um, yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, the next day we were already, you know, on the search for houses and um, and getting ready for for the move. But it was uh, that was that was the moment that I found out. But but having said all that, it, it was uh, it was a fantastic not only year, but just like that preseason, being with the team, finding out, you know, what everybody was about. I remember thinking like, I mean, I, I told this on our podcast to Mark, like when Mark Anthony comes in and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Like, why do we have a winger playing center midfielder? <laughs> this guy's not going to make it and all this stuff. And then like a week later, I'm like, oh, OK, maybe this guy can make it. You know, like Bob is like the <laughs> Mark Anthony K whisper over here telling him what to do. And, <laughs> So, yeah, dude, Beta, I mean, I, I'd heard a lot about Beta. I, I think I played with him one time in January camp, but I never got to know him. And, and so me, me, him, and Latif were roommates in preseason at a, in an Airbnb, um, getting to know those two guys. I mean, obviously, I knew Latif from the yeah. time in Kansas City. But sure. 
Yeah, it was. Dude, I mean, that whole year was fantastic. The fans, getting to know the fans, was was something special. I couldn't believe it. I mean, uh, like uh, the the way the way the 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 uh, the group of fans had been developed. Like had like I, this team had just begun, but it obviously had begun much earlier than we had all thought. And so it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was a really special year. And you know, obviously at, at the end of it all, I, I would have wanted to stay. And sometimes business gets in the way, but um, it was. Uh, it was a wonderful year, and I, I, uh, you know, to some degree, regret, you know, not having stayed to for for another season. Sure, I know Philly's got a couple questions about Bob, but I want to ask one quick question that wasn't really on our list. You played with Latif while he was in Sporting for a little bit. Right. Did you ever see? Did you ever think that he was going to develop into kind of the Swiss Army knife that he has become? What we call him here, the game changer at LAFC. You know, watching him those first couple of years with sporting did, did you ever imagined what you're seeing from him now no no chance and and <laughs> i'd be surprised if you asked bob that same question if he said yes because he got placed in in central midfield i mean you could you could argue that latif could play right back you know as or he winger. did last or, night <laughs> right i mean he's played yeah. right back before as well or even as a nine he played as a nine sometimes for kansas city okay but as a central midfielder was something that I didn't see. I don't know if Bob did, but I'd be surprised if if he, you know, thought that that was a possibility before he fa- kind of was forced into doing it. And then you saw like this new version of Latif, <laughs> where he was like in Golo Conte. I mean, he's just like yeah. all over the field, winning balls, which is exactly like what you need from a player in that position in the way yeah. Bob plays the system. Um, you know, the counter pressing, winning the ball quickly, getting all over the player. He's also a guy that. For as much as I don't consider him like an out-and-out central midfielder, he's so quick with his feet that it's hard to take it away from him. It's not like he's he's not like what Bob would say is like a Xavi that always places himself in the right spot, is always taking it with the right foot, playing it with the next one, and like putting himself in the right spots and whatnot. But he's so quick with his movements and he's so you know jittery that it, it's so difficult to to defend him, and so it works. And so um, yeah, I, I I never envisioned that um, from him, but he's been in an absolute um, gem for, for Bob and LAFC and, and he's lucky to have him. You already addressed one of the questions I had about Bob, uh, and that's obviously going back to the beginning and, and I'm going to reword the other question that I had. Do you think LAFC would have been as successful season one under anybody else other than Bob? Uh, it's hard to say it, it. I definitely won't say a definite. Yes. It's hard to, to say anything, but no, but I mean, but the thing with Bob is that he's very, very good at improving every single player. So he's not focused on like, what can this guy do for me in terms of the team? He's going to take like a guy like Mark Anthony K, which I always use as a perfect example, and he's going to try and make him a better player. And by making him a better player and Edward Atuesta a better player and Benny Failhaber a better player and yada, 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 he's going to get a better team. And so it, it's a difficult quality to have as a coach because a lot of coaches, I think, you know, view the bigger picture and like, how can a Latif Blessing help my team? Or how can a Mark Anthony K help my team? If it's not by, you know, playing in the central midfield position, is it somewhere else? And so I think a lot of, t- and, and Mark will say this about his career earlier on, a lot of coaches didn't put him as a central midfielder. They put him in the out, out wide because they didn't help him develop the the qualities that he has. And Bob is one of those guys that if he sees something in you, he's going to try and develop it no matter what the cost. And so um, I don't, I don't think there's another coach that could have, you know, been as successful as Bob. There's no doubt about it that 
whether it's Bob or John or whoever, they've done a wonderful job at bringing talent into the team. And there's no doubt about it that that has a huge influence. But the coach on on any MLS team is instrumental in um, in, in how successful that team's going to be, regardless of what the talent is. Sure. Your career, I mean, is taking you to so many different places. You mentioned Dortmund. We talk about the yellow wall at Signal Iduna Park. As far as the U.S. is concerned, like how were you taken back? Were you shocked? Like how to you personally, how incredible was the atmosphere that first match at the bank in April of 2018? Yeah, I mean, in uh, you're talking about the game that we played against the Sounders. Yep, April 29th. Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, it was, like I said, I, I, I still think that the most incredible thing, and I don't want to take anything away from that first home game, was the game against the Galaxy and Carson. Because we went out there, and we had played, we had only played away games. And, right. of course, that's an away game, but it's right down the road from our house. So um, to be able to see the amount of people that were out there when we went to walk on the field an hour and a half before the kickoff, or maybe two hours before kickoff, it was incredible. I mean, there obviously there were no Galaxy fans. They're 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 sprayed around everywhere, but they weren't in there yet. Right. And our fans were just lined up in their you know in their section, chanting, and it was incredible. And I couldn't believe it. And so, you know, I, that 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 is the biggest picture that I have of of the fan base uh, uh, during that year there with with LAFC was was how incredibly you know uh, excited they were for that year. Um, they showed up for everything, away games, home games. It almost, be, especially after that, that game, nothing surprised me anymore. You know, it was, it was awesome. I mean, the, the chance that they made the, uh, the jump for, you know, LAFC football club is, is one of my favorite chance. Just, you know, everybody jumping together. It looks like yeah. the whole stadium's moving. Yeah, you almost get emotional just thinking about it yeah, because yeah. it really is. It's like it's part of the club that you're at. And so, yeah, it's it's just fantastic what that club's done, what the fans have done and and how it's just unified, uh, you know, a, a, a people together. And so it's uh, it's awesome. It was there was a lot of moments like that, but it wasn't surprising because I had seen the incredible things that they could do. That's great. You know, you mentioned 2018 on your last BSI pod that it could have yeah. been much more, you know, when you yeah. look back on 2018, other than the obvious result at the end, right? Because there's only one team that's happy at the end of each season, right? But uh, when you say it could have been much more, what do you mean? You know, we almost make it to the finals of the Open Cup. Obviously, Demir ends our season Ugh. with RSL. You know, what do you mean when you say it could have been much more? Well, I, well, for one, uh, as a as a simple answer is we could have easily won an Open Cup. So yeah. we could have gotten a trophy. I mean, we were one penalty kick away, right? And I'm like, yep. and, and, yeah. and I'm not blaming anybody, right? A penalty is a penalty. And I know Laurent missed it, but I mean, a penalty is a penalty. Anybody can make it or miss it. So it's not anybody's fault. But fact is, we were one penalty away from the Open Cup final being held at Bank of California Stadium against an average Philadelphia team last yeah. year. Sure. Who got peppered by Houston in the finals last year. So odds were probably in our favor that we would beat Philadelphia at home in yeah. that Open Cup final that year. So that's one. Yeah. In terms of MLS Cup, I don't think we had the team to win MLS Cup. Yes, you can get lucky, and you need luck, but you can get lucky and, and go through the playoffs and get it done. But I don't think we were poised to win. However, we should have beat Salt Lake in that game, and we would have played, if I remember correctly, I think it would have been Seattle. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think Kansas yep. City would have played Portland and we would have yes. played Seattle. Yes. And I think that's a I mean, that's a coin toss. We beat them twice in the year. 
We could have done it again. I don't know what would have happened. We might have lost, but no doubt about it, we could have gone deeper. We should have gone deeper in the playoffs and got a little bit more uh, of experience under our belts, which in in turn could have helped, you know, it's LAFC 2019 to win it all, which of course was a team that was the best team in the league and and you know, no doubt about it, had all the all the tools to win it. And so I think we could have done more that first year. We could have won a trophy. We could have had we could have gone further in the playoffs, got more experience, potentially put ourselves in a better position to to win something in 2019. Obviously, I wasn't there, but experience counts for a lot. And so I think I think that's what I mean by it could sure. have been it could have been a bigger year. Having played the most matches of anyone on that team that year, did you think that you wouldn't return to LAFC? No, I didn't. I. Uh, uh, I mean, I thought for sure that I'd get a, a deal done. And this is something that, you know, is is still disappointing to me. And, and I said that, you know, to some degree, I regret not re-signing there. But don't get me wrong, it wasn't a one-way street. Sure. LAFC had all the opportunity to sign me. I, uh, I, I would have accepted a much lower contract that I had been on that year. And so... It's a two-way street, and and like I said, you know, business sometimes gets in the way. Yeah, I would have loved to stay, but you know, Colorado ended up coming in late. You know, I, I'd been talking to LAFC for probably months at the time about you know let's get this deal done. And look, MLS isn't an easy entity to deal with as well because there's three parties, right? There's me, there's LAFC, and there's the MLS office. And so, with three parties, it becomes a little bit more difficult, a little bit more bureaucratic, and it takes longer. And I mean, we ba- we almost had a deal verbally. It was very close to being to being done, and um, MLS wouldn't sign off on it and wouldn't okay it or wouldn't get back to LAFC. I don't know the whole story, but eventually, in the eleventh hour, Colorado came in and offered me, you know, quite a bit more money. And I went back to LAFC. I'm like, look, Colorado's offered me this money. I kind of got to give them an answer. Can we close this deal or not? And it still kind of, you know, stayed. Where it was, we we didn't kind of get a final answer, and and I and uh, and it kind of just went like, all right, well then I'm gonna sign with Colorado. You know, I I could have done things differently. I think LAFC could have done things differently as well. It doesn't, in my opinion, leave a sour taste in my mouth, because that's okay. part of that's part of the thing. That's how it goes. But yeah, looking back on it, would I have rather probably stayed at LAFC with the year that they had? And I think I actually could have played a part in in helping them, especially towards the back end of the year where. You know, there's a lot of guys injured in the midfield. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I could have helped the team if, if not only for just my experience and helping other guys. Uh, I, I think I could have helped in that year. But look, they had a ridiculous year. They won Supporter Shield. There's nothing, you know, to, to look back on with, uh, you know, disappointment. And, and that's the same with me. I mean, I it, it wasn't a great year for me individually, but it, that's that's what soccer is. There's a lot of decisions to be made and, and in life in general. Right. There's a lot of decisions to be made. Sure. You're not going to make the right one every single time, but that's how it went. So, um, you know, disappointed to not have been there with with the team in 2019. But it, it, it sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles, as uh, some people right. say. Right. Uh, you know, before we talk about retirement real quick, what did it mean for you to be able to play what wound up being your last season and finishing it back at Sporting? Yeah. So, like I said, the year itself was disappointing, right? I went to Colorado. I, I thought the team would improve greatly from the year before. I mean, we we picked up guys like Diego Rubio, Kai Kamara, Kellen Acosta yeah. had come in the year before, like halfway through. Keegan Rosenberry, Andre Shinyashiki, Rookie of the Year. Sure. Um, you know, I went there, and so we we had a, a pretty good group of guys that weren't there the year before, and so we thought, I thought, I'm like, this team's gonna improve, and you know, I don't know if we're going to be the best team in the league, but my my thought was making to the playoffs would be a, a, a good year. 
And obviously the year started, you know, poorly. We didn't win any games in the first 12 games of the year. And um, the coach got fired. When the coach got fired, excuse me, I didn't play the next two games from the start with Connor Casey. He was trying to play some younger players. And I said, look, Connor, if I'm not going to play, like I got to go somewhere, you know, like it's, it's, it's not, it's, I'm close to the end of my career. I don't want to just sit on the bench. And especially under these circumstances where we're not winning, like we, I want to go somewhere else. And he was like, okay, well, if we can find somewhere for you, so be it at the time, Kansas city had tons of injuries. And once Peter found out about the possibility, he was interested. And I thought, well, this is great. You know, I get to go back to Kansas city. Um, you know, optimistically, I thought, I'm going to go there. Uh, I'll fill in the void. The team is, is only going to get better from the, from the, you know, tough, you know, run that they had been on. Um, and that kind of went, you know, in, in that way once I came here. Um, but in the end, we, it wasn't enough. We didn't do enough. And we kind of yeah. like slowed down towards the end of the year and, and didn't make the playoffs. And so, yeah, it was a disappointing year, but I can honestly say that it was, uh, it was fantastic to have finished my career with Sporting Kansas City, which is a team that uh, no doubt about it was where I had the best uh, five years of my career and gave me the most. And, and it's awesome to be able to retire in front of, you know, what I consider my, my soccer home. Sure. So you had a great post where you said running is hard, right? That was your, <laughs> that was your retirement post. And I, and I love that. This is breaking news here on defenders. We were never professional athletes. So I'm always <laughs> interested to ask this of a professional athlete, which version of retirement happened to you? Did you just wake up one day and know, like, you know what? My body is is done. I've given all I could to the sport. Was it where you couldn't really find a contract? Was it that you retired to pursue other passions? Was it some combination of those? You know, retirement can be a, a multi-headed monster there. But which which version of retirement was it for you? Yeah, I, I'd have to say it was a little bit of a, a version of all three of them. You okay. know, um, for sure. It's tough, you know, like, so I've, I've always been a guy that my biggest weakness is fitness. And so my teammates will know, like, I, I complain about that all the time. And, and I have to like work, in my opinion, extra hard to be able to run half as much as some other players. Okay. And so that definitely was in my mind. And I thought, and, and I'll, I mean, I'll open up the book here. When I finished the season last year at Kansas City, yeah. I wanted to play for two teams and two teams only, really. One was Kansas City and one was LAFC. And those are the only two teams that I really, really wanted to play for. One, because I thought both teams are very good teams and they're going to have good years and I don't want to play on a bad team because it doesn't make sense. Right. And and I would have, you know, gladly gone to either one of those teams for quite a much less money than I had been on because I wanted to have a better year than I had just had in 2019. I wanted to have, you know, finish off on a high and money sure. was not the issue at the time. Having said that, when e- neither one of those teams said that they really, you know, were interested in having me for various reasons. One team, you know, Bruce Arena asked me to come and trial with New England. Um, and there nice. was maybe, you know, one other team that had kind of talked to me a little bit. But really, if I was going to move my family to play for one year somewhere that I wasn't that excited about playing for, then it would have to be about money. I wasn't going to go there for peanuts. Sure. And so I knew that what I wanted was probably more than I was worth at the time. And I had that conversation with Bruce and he kind of said, look, for that amount of money, it doesn't make sense for us. And I'm like, look, Bruce, no problem that I'm, you know, I don't feel like I want to do that for, for less. And, and, and that was kind of it, you know? And so the conversation kind of ended there and I decided, okay, you know, it's, it's, it's either you go play somewhere for less than what you really want or you retire. And like you said, I really felt like at that time 
I am ready to give more and be a bigger part of an organization on the opposite side of the line than right. inside the lines. And so, um, unfortunately, Corona kind of ruined that um, that plan. But hopefully, I get it back on track at some point. But yeah, I, I, there's no way I'm getting away from soccer. Uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be around soccer my whole life, whether it be in, in in media, whether it be as a coach, whether it be as a you know general manager, technical director, a scout, whatever. Sure. I'm going to be around the game for the rest of my life because it's what I love to do. And so um, I felt like it was the right time. And like like I said, you know, running sucks and I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to do it just to do it. So it, it felt like the right time. That's awesome. Um, you know, Philly is going to certainly get into the, the goal for the U.S. men's national team in a second that everyone still talks to. But one of the questions I really wanted to ask before as we get into the U.S. men's national team portion of this is your life. <laughs> you know, what is it like playing in the Olympics, you know, you walk out there, you're representing your country, you've got the stars and stripes on your crest there. Were you able to walk out with all the other athletes with Team USA during that that Olympic kind of walk out there and where you see it on TV, the the parade of nations? What is that? I mean, as a as an aspiring athlete at one point in my career, that was what I aspired to. I just want to walk out with the stars and stripes and be part of that. How special of a moment was that for you to be able to walk out with the U.S. men's national team with the rest of the U.S. Olympic delegation? Yeah, that was massively special. So uh, I'll preface the Olympics with this. I don't look fondly at my time during the Olympics, not because okay. of the Olympics, but because of what happened with our team. We we had a ridiculously good team. Yeah. And so I, I always talk to Sasha Kleshin about this. He's a really good friend of mine. He played every game and he was one of the best players on that team. Yeah. And I played very little and I felt like not only myself, but guys like Josie Altador, Charlie Davies could have done more than some of the other guys that played. And I, I, I just look back on it and think like, man, that could have been a ridiculously good team, a really good tournament. And it, it was kind of disappointing. Sure. Having said that, the actual aspect of going there with your country, um, walking in uh, to the stadium when they're going to light the Olympic flame, that unbelievable, right? Because it's not only your country, it's all the countries in the world, all the sports. I mean, I remember like Dirk Nowitzki was bigger than life, like walking <laughs> in the German uh, flag and everything. And the, the, the NBA dream team was, or the NBA, the, the USA dream team was there. Right. You know, LeBron was there. D Wade was there. Chris Paul was there. Um, you know, I think was Kobe there. I think Kobe was there. So, I mean, like ridiculously like big idols of, of any sports fans were sure. there. And, and it was amazing. I mean, to, to be able to walk into that was was fantastic. The the funny story about uh, the walk-in is how long you have to wait until you walk in because it okay. takes forever. U.S. is one of the last countries to go in. It was scalding hot in Beijing at the time. Oh. So you're dripping sweat. You're wearing a white suit or white <laughs> shirt inside the suit. I remember Brad Guzan was just like dripping, covered. It looked like he came out of the sauna. So, <laughs> But yeah, it's so memorable. I mean, like we we all remember that and 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 look at it fondly. The the actual tournament itself was for me a little bit disappointing, but that's that's just uh that's different for everybody, right? So if you ask, you know, a, a, a Sasha Kleshin, a Robbie Rogers, uh, right. other guys that was on that team like Stuart Holden, Michael Bradley, you know, th those guys I'm sure have a different viewpoint from the actual tournament standpoint. But like you said, walking into that was was something that you definitely dream of as a little kid or maybe not even like, I don't even think I had that dream because it was, it was so far out there, but sure. being a part of it was fantastic. Transitioning to a tournament where you have better memories. And <laughs> for those of you who have been living under a rock, 
June of 2007, you scored one of the most important goals in U.S. men's national team history when you buried one in the 73rd minute versus Mexico in the CONCACAF Gold Cup at Soldier Field in Chicago. I still remember the announcer yelling, Benny and his Jets. Couldn't get that out of my head. Max Bredo, see, he's the LAFC <laughs> announcer. Yep. Yeah, 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 thank you. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> what did that goal mean to you on a personal, professional level? I feel like I've asked a similar question to that. And where do you rank it in terms of your all-time memories playing the sport? In terms of, you know, how, what it, what it, like what emotions like come out of me when I think about that is it's it's funny because it happened so early in my career. I was 22 at the time. I had been right. a professional player for two years only. And so it's crazy to think that only two years in my career, I, I literally, I climaxed, right? Like that was, <laughs> that was, no pun intended, but yeah, that was like the peak. Like I couldn't do anything better than scoring that goal in, in a game, a rivalry game against Mexico in the Gold Cup final. Um, so yeah, looking back on it, it's crazy to think like, that's, that's really the way I'm going to be remembered. And I'm, I'm okay with that. And, and it's, and it's fantastic, but it's just, it's, it, it, it's just crazy to me that it happened two years into my career. Um, what it compares to, I think it compared the only other comparison that I have. And it's funny because I had nothing to do with this other goal was the goal <laughs> that Landon scored in, against yeah. Algeria because Algeria. the, the feeling was similar. You know, it was similar because it was like, oh, my God, did I just do this? Did we just do this? Did we are we just are we about to like did we just win the group in the World Cup right. going from disqualification to winning the group in the last, you know, two minutes of the game? And so, yeah, I, I partook in zero of that goal. But, <laughs> I, you know, that picture, I think, says it all when Landon's running and I'm looking up to like the heavens, like as if like I scored the goal myself. And, yeah, it's crazy to think I scored the goal against. Mexico in the gold cup and, and, you know, got the game winner of a, a massive goal that not only won us the, the gold cup, but sent us the confederations cup, which we had a, another great run in. And then I compare it to this, that I took no part in, but that team was like something very, very special. Um, you know, Bob and, and the players as well cultivated something very special within that team, within that group that everybody wanted the same thing. And so that, I mean, that dog pile that we, you know, created there, is very <laughs> symbolic of what that team was. It didn't matter if you were Jay Demerit on the opposite side of the field, Stuart Holden coming off the bench, um, or Landon Donovan himself who scored the goal. We were, you know, all for one in that in that moment and, and during that tournament. So it was really special. That was a hell of a goal, man. And just as a U.S. national team supporter, thank you for giving us that thrill. It was a lot to cheer for in 2007. I appreciate it, man. I, I'm glad I could do my part. Yeah, you know, we, we do make smooth transitions every now and then here on Defenders of the Bank. And, and one of the I do want to talk about is the, the U.S. men's national team, both right after, like you had mentioned, after Bob was no longer a part of it, they bring on Jurgen Klinsmann. And you were, you were, I'll say, to put it lightly, maybe mildly critical of Jurgen Klinsmann and the players that he brought in <laughs> at times there. Let me ask you now, though, looking at the U.S. men's national team, where we're headed, how we're playing the young guys that we've got going on. What do you feel is the direction of the U.S. men's national team? Are we moving in the right steps? You know, what, what do you think right now? I think it's hard to say. There's there's not been games. You know, it's hard to say where we're moving if we're moving at all. You know, I think in sure. terms of individual players, we are because I mean, you see Christian Pulisic yeah. and he's balling out in Chelsea. Tyler Adams is playing really well at Leipzig. You have Weston McKinney, who's been one of the better players on a not so great Schalke team. So there's those are those are integral parts of the team, young pieces as well that will be there for a long time. So I think in terms of individual pieces, they're moving in the right direction. 
but we haven't seen the team together, and and that hurts, especially with how young the team is. There's not like those veteran leaders that have been there before. None of these guys have played in a World Cup. Probably, you know, Christian might be the only one that has really partook in in uh, qualifying of any sort. And so, sure. yeah, it's it's a little bit worrisome, but it's hard to say if it's if if we're moving in the wrong or in the right direction or or not. And so, um. I think Greg's a really good coach. Uh, I think that he did a really, really good job in Columbus. The one thing that I wonder is how will it translate with the national team when he doesn't have the team every day? He's a very methodical, detail-oriented coach. And with the with a club team, you get to have that every day, and you get to tell them every day what you want, and, and, and people start getting it after a while, right? With the national team, you get sure. – players for maybe a week at a time and then they're gone for a month and then another week at a time and you have two games to prep for and so how do you balance like you know getting everybody on the same page and also being detail oriented as greg is and so that's yet to be seen i i don't know i think there has to be a little bit of a sense of like how do we win the next game more so than how do we improve because man the the world cup is two years away right and we got to qualify. Like as soon as we get together, we basically got to start qualifying. And 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 so there is that sense of me like, you gotta you gotta find a way to be practical and 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 find ways to win and set up your team to win, and try and improve little by little. But it can't be the other way around. You try and improve and forego, you know, three points because sure. then you start finding yourself in a bad position later on. Sure. Yeah, you know, I'm going to turn it over to my buddy Philly here for these next couple of questions. But on June 4th, 2019, you actually entered our world, the world of podcasting. Very exciting with with the BSI podcast. Real quick, before we get into those questions, how can everybody find the BSI podcast if they want to follow your pod or you on social media so we can do our our first of a few plugs we want to do for that? Well, you can literally find us anywhere. I think we're on every single social or uh, podcast platform, right? Apple podcast. I, I usually have like the thing that I say at the outro and tell everybody where to find us. Although I've kind of stopped doing that since I, I feel like we've, uh, we've got our target audience now listening, nice. but, but yeah, you can, you can find our podcast anywhere. BSI, the podcast. Um, we, we are on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Uh, BSI, the podcast as well is, is the, uh, the handle, um, and you can email us questions, uh, what you want us to talk about on Benny and Sal, the podcast at gmail.com. I believe okay. we couldn't change that one because, uh, I came in a little late and we can't change the email. So sorry about that. Ike, <laughs> um, but yeah, any, any, anywhere you can find us. If you, I mean, I, I feel like we're a very unique podcast for anybody that hasn't listened we were able to talk to you know players all over the all over the league, not only in MSL in and uh, WSL. We've 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 gotten a few um, USL as well. So and and we really you know try and have a conversation like we would inside the locker room. And so we have a lot of fun. Guys open up and tell a lot of stories that I think you know you wouldn't hear in a on any podcast. So it's a lot of fun. Was it your idea to launch the pod, or was it something that was brought to your attention? It was, so it's funny. So me and Sal did something when we were here in Kansas City called the Benny Failhaber Show, where it was kind of like a talk show and Sal was my, you know, Kevin Eubanks to Jay Leno. <laughs> um, and uh, he, and we, we did that together and, and, and it was funny. We, we made it, you know, pretty funny, I think. And, and we had a lot of guests. Ike Opar was one of them at the time when he was here. 
and uh, and the fans loved it. And so me and Sal talked about it after he left. We're like, we should do a podcast at some point, and it kind of dragged out, dragged on, dragged on. And eventually, when I moved back to Kansas City to play here, Sal's like, hey, maybe this is a good time to do it. I'm like, yeah, let's do it now because we know we have a fan base here. And so we started it. But Sal was really the one that kind of pushed me. Let's do the podcast at some point. I'm like, all right, maybe when I have some more time. And finally, we decided to do it. So um, you guys can have uh, Sal to thank for that. There you go. All right. Well, we could drive right down to San Diego and, and ask him ourselves. He played for the right. San Diego Royal. He captained that last game, so that's pretty cool. Always yeah. wanted to go down there. Those new jerseys are fire, by the way. I, I don't know how I'd feel wearing a San Diego jersey here in L.A., but that jersey is pretty cool. Stone Brewing, got to love a good stone brew. Um, <laughs> who's been your favorite guest thus far? So, it's a, I mean, it's a tie. It really is between Mike Grella and Alan Gordon. <laughs> those two, those two made me laugh, man. And I think Mike Grilla caught me a little off guard because I didn't know he was as funny as he was. But he is so brutally honest. I mean, like I think I'm honest. This guy is like next level. And so um, <laughs> he'll throw his kids under the bus if it's good for a laugh. And so um, <laughs> he was, he was, uh, he was right up there. Him and Alan Gordon were fun. Um, in terms of like real, you know, quality of answers, not not so much like funny. I thought Mark Anthony K was right up there. I loved it. Tyler Adams was a really good interview. Darlington Nagby was was really good because he's a guy that's usually pretty reserved and shut down, and he opened up and told us stuff um, that I mean I think a lot of national team fans would 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 be interested in hearing. And but yeah, we've we've had a lot of good interviews. Man, when we interviewed Emily Sonnet in season one after the yeah. Women's World Cup, that was a fantastic interview. We I, you know I learned a lot about the the women's team, and and Emily is a fantastic person and, and a lot of fun and very interesting. And so we've had a lot of cool interviews and. Yeah, I mean, I think those are my top, but I'm sure I'm missing some out there, too. We'll do a little bit of role reversal. On your show, towards the end, you usually have that Ike Opara style interrogation where right. somebody pleads the fifth, they plead the fifth, but if you go forward with all the questions, you have the ability to ask the host. So we're going to flip the switch and ask you. And I'll start off, give you an easy one. Who's been your favorite teammate throughout your career? Favorite teammate throughout my career is Ike Opara. That's a pretty easy one. Michael right. Parra has been my favorite teammate, yeah. Nice. All right, so in terms of the opposite, who's the player that you just hated to go up against just because maybe it was that you didn't like them or you just you wanted to beat them so badly throughout your entire career? Who was that hated player? So in terms of, like, actual hatred for a player would be Kyle Beckerman. I think that's <laughs> okay. that's been that's been talked about before in terms of a guy that I have tons of respect for. And I would even put two in there, but tons of respect for, but I hated going up against them because they usually got the better of me. Dax McCarty is right up there on the list. And I'd put Ozzy Alonzo right behind him, even though I still, to this day, me and Ozzy talk about it. Sometimes he should have got red carded back when I played with Kansas city in 2016, but he, uh, (laughs) he claims he didn't touch me, but, uh, yeah, those two guys were always tough to play against. All right. Who's the best player you ever went up against throughout your entire career? Played with or against? Against. Against. Best player I ever played against. That's a tough one. I mean, it would probably have to go... I mean, it'd probably have to go like when I played in in the Prem. I mean, there was guys... I mean, I played... I guess I didn't play against Cristiano Ronaldo. I didn't play against Man U. But I I mean, I played against... Uh, let me wait. Let me let me step back. I just realized I forgot like the best player in the world. I played against him. So I'll say Lionel Messi by far. I just realized <laughs> I didn't play. I've never played him at the club level, but I played him uh, at the U20 level, which we beat them one zero. Oh, wow. And, and we played them with uh, the national team at Copa America and we got crushed for one. But yeah, Messi is is the best player I've ever played against. And it's not even close. <laughs> 
All right. You walk into a bar. You pony up to the table. You see Zlatan there having a drink. You exchange <laughs> pleasantries with him. What's the next thing you say to Zlatan? Oh, man, I'll tell Slatan I am thankful that I never had to play with you because you are an asshole to your teammates. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, so uh, other than Botafogo, are there any other clubs or teams that you support throughout you know, all, all the different world leagues out there? In terms of soccer, not really. I mean, Botafogo is who I grew up, you know, Rooting for through my dad as well, and and like the Mets, they're a tough team to root for, man. It is, it is at times painful, but um, yeah, not really. I mean, like I, I watch a lot of other leagues. I, I I mean, obviously, I have a certain feeling for you know the teams that I played for. Sure. Um, but it's nothing like you know the 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 fandom, I guess, of of growing up loving a club uh, like Botafogo. Which, by the way, I mean, I've kind of grown not apart from but i don't have that same passion as if you know i watch them every day and so no i don't i think the in terms of sports in general i'm a massive baltimore ravens fan always have okay. been okay okay um, what I brought am, you over to baltimore ravens it's all all through my dad so my dad would come to work in the u.s when we lived in brazil and he would watch a game of some team and that became magically the team he rooted for and so the team that he started rooting for in, in football was the cleveland browns when oh. they would uh, ultimately always lose to the denver broncos and john elway but um the browns became the ravens in 96 i believe yep. and so i went from a browns to a ravens fan and the browns became a new team the year after that but then i thought well i know everybody on the ravens like that's my team so i stayed with the ravens at that point and so that's how the Ravens uh, came to be. Similar story with uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. It was the first time that he watched a basketball game. It was the Cavs. Thankfully, we got LeBron and, and, and we won a <laughs> right. championship for the city. And then in, 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 in baseball, it's the Blue Jays. He went to watch a game at the Sky Dome huh. back in the day. <laughs> and the Montreal Canadiens for hockey. So, um, But I will say out of all those teams, the, the Ravens are my biggest passion for sure. Okay. Huh. Favorite LAFC memory? Favorite LAFC memory? Um, oof, that's a tough one. Favorite LAFC memory? Man, there was like, it was. It's crazy because the things that stick out to me, unfortunately, are like the really disappointing losses to the Galaxy, right? The Open Cup. Um, I, I guess I'll say the the first. No, not the first game. It wasn't. I don't know. I'm trying to think. There are a lot of good ones. I mean, the first game in Seattle was was special because I think that would be it, to be honest, because it was like the culmination of everything that, even though it hadn't been that long, right? Three months, two sure, months of sure. work. But uh, we went into a place that I don't think I had ever won in Seattle before. And we go in with an expansion team. We didn't play a very good game. Right. Diego scores a ridiculously good goal early on. And then we just, like, battle for our lives to, to, to hold it, which is, like, nothing as to how LAFC plays like nowadays or even later in that year. Right. And so, um, yeah, that, that game was, was, you know, something special. And I guess I'll just add in the very next game against Salt Lake. The five, one game was a lot of fun because Salt Lake's a team that I love to hate and, uh, and playing at Rio Tinto and just demolishing them and just having so much fun doing it <laughs> was a lot of fun. So I'll, I'll throw that one in there too. You had a pretty good stat there in the 47th minute when you put one past Ramondo, so I totally can, can get behind that <laughs> one. That's right. right. <laughs> All right, I'm going to switch my question up. Best trash talker out on the pitch? Oh, 
man, best trash, best trash talker. I'm gonna say I, I don't know if he's the best, but Sebastian Blanco is <laughs> annoying to say the least. And so he saw is, that again last night. <laughs> yeah, he is he is annoying to deal with. Mark Anthony K is not. Uh, I know they went at it, and right. he loves a scuffle, right? He he right. loves it. Right. It's like sometimes I remember when we played against them when I was with Sporting back with Sporting and we played with LAFC. I remember Mark got mad at somebody, and I was like, Mark, chill out, dude. There's no why. Like, what's the point, right? <laughs> and he like he, he like calmed down for a second. He's like, all right, yeah, you're right, you're right. But he like gets heated, and so I mean, I was I always always like that as well, and like I think I kind of faded out a little bit like kind of dissipated in my my late years but even so like i've always been you know hot-blooded and so um i can uh i can see that in mark as well and he's he's a good one all right and i got philly with the last question here of the uh the rapid fire how sick are you of hearing the song benny and the jets (laughs) that is from what i hear from my dad possibly the the song that named me and oh, so, wow. Okay. And so, and, and I'm pretty sure Benny and the Benny in Benny and the Jets in the Elton John song is a girl, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure it's a girl. So, I don't know, funny, I guess. My dad probably didn't understand English all that well back in the day, um, <laughs> being from Brazil. But anyways, he called me Benny. I think it's from that song. So, um, yeah, I've never had that thought of, like, being sick of listening to it. I Sometimes I hear it, sometimes I don't. Now when I hear it, I tell my daughters, I'm like, hey, that's, can you hear it? It's, they're talking about me. And so it's just kind of funny. But, yeah, I've never been sick of that song too much. Uh, um, so, yeah, uh, sorry to, to not have a better answer for you on that. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> Actually, that's a, that's a really good story to, to, to hear. Anytime we mentioned your name or when we talked about when you went to Colorado, we couldn't help but hum the Benny and the Jets song during our podcast. So anytime <laughs> we hear your name, we thought about it. And I thought, God, he's, Benny's spent his whole life probably hearing the song. He's got to be sick of it. But I know the answer was fantastic. Totally unexpected. And that's what makes it special. All right. Yeah, so so Benny, as we kind of wrap up the interview here, you know, we just kind of want to get your thoughts. Is there anything out there that you want to say to the LAFC community? You know, we joke about it. We have the millions and millions of defenders of the bank <laughs> listeners out there that are no doubt tuning into this podcast, happy to hear from the most capped and most minutes of any inaugural team member out there and a definite huge part of our success from our first season. Is there anything out there that you might want to say to our LAFC community now that you've had, you know, a little bit of time to reflect on everything and in your, your retired life here, anything you want to tell the black and gold? Yeah. Well, it's nothing that I haven't said before in the past. Um, but my time in LAFC was extremely special and, you know, sadly or disappointedly, if it was, even though it was only one year, LAFC has a very special place in my heart. I think the fans made it unforgettable that year. I, I would assume that beta, you know, would echo something like that, even though, you know, he, I know he was there for two years, but it's, it's disappointing when you're, you're not there anymore. But at the same time, you, you, you kind of hold that feeling still. And LAFC was definitely a place that I loved, you know, I loved it. I enjoyed it very much. The fans made it very special. The people in the organization, um, the players, the coaches, the staff, everybody from top to bottom was first class. And so, uh, I have not one bad thing to say about my time there. And I, I, I loved every moment of it. And who knows, you know, in my in my next career, my next life, maybe I'll be back at some point. And, uh, you know, I think that would be something pretty special as well. Yeah, maybe you and Jordan coaching up the boys over there in the uh, black and gold for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> He'll be the assistant coach. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, well, Benny, I got to say, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with us. I'm sure there are plenty of other things you could have done much more entertaining on a Friday night than chat with two chuckleheads who go by the name of Philly and the Scarf. But we definitely appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, pro- no problem, guys. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank All right, you. Benny. Take care, Have man. Have a good one. Good luck the rest of the tournament. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Take Bye. Care.